gathered here this morning. It's good to be in the house of God and to uh, have our spirits refreshed and to be instructed. Well, how is your spirit this morning? Rejoicing? My spirit is rejoicing, though um, I do have a weakness in the flesh. Um, I have a cough, and that seems to affect my preaching. But I'll press through, and I hope it doesn't uh, distract too much. I was... um, this past week, I was at a potential customer's place. I had um, was sitting at their kitchen table and giving my presentation of what services we could offer. And suddenly, had a catastrophic failure of my voice. It just went away. They were rather alarmed, but I recovered and I kept going. So I will endeavor to do the same this morning. (laughs) If I have a sudden voice failure, don't worry, it'll come back. But the message I have this morning is uh, one that is um, very important. It uh, touches the very center of our lives and I think you'll see that as we go. Our text this morning is Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. Matthew 16, verse 21, and I'll read this text and then we'll consider uh, what it tells us. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, Let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited, if he shall gain the whole world, and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man 
shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, this I'm sure is familiar to all of you in that it uh, embraces some of the central themes of the Christian life in these words of Jesus. They were rather stark to Peter, actually using the term Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. So what was it that was so offensive in this case? Well, I'd like to focus this morning on this matter of dying to self. And the words of Jesus here were, Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Dying to self is synonymous with losing one's life. And when it talks about life here, it's cutting right to the very heart of our Christian experience. One of the great paradoxes of the scripture, that whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And the reverse is true, that whosoever will seek to save his life shall lose it. Now, going back to the context in which Jesus said these words, he had described to them what was going to happen concerning his death, his suffering. And we know that it was because of the great love that God had toward us that he sent his only begotten Son, And his son came with that same love and he laid down his life for us. And this is what he was talking about. He was giving them the details of how this was going to be. Well, Peter, I believe in his unconverted state, his his state of mind that did not yet savor the deep things of God, but rather the things of self and time, he, thinking these things through, said, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. In other words, this did not seem like something appropriate for the Christ to suffer. But Jesus' response was, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Or, an offense? Was Jesus offended? Maybe you never thought of that. What does it mean to be offended? Well, I think it means to... Oftentimes in Scripture, it means to actually turn back or to cease. To, uh, if a person is offended from following Christ, he 
ceases to follow him. He goes, he goes back. I'm not sure, is that exactly what Jesus had in mind here? But perhaps the temptation was there to, to think that maybe this is the hard road, not the, not the right road. Jesus said, Thou savorest not the things that be of God. And this truth is so central to this whole matter of dying to ourselves. We tend not to savor the reality of dying to ourselves. In fact, the use of the term savor, meaning something tasty or something to be desired, is, is far from our thinking. Because the flesh, or self, has to die. And that is not tasty. It's not savory. But in the spirit, we understand that dying to self is a necessary part of life. And therefore, we are able to even savor that which would not normally be savory. It is of God and of his character and mind to have us die to ourselves. In fact, it's the only way that we can live. In fact, Jesus goes on to say there, further, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And I have often thought of that when I hear that term or read that, I think of vast sums of money or some uh, gaining the whole world, you know, have every pleasure and, and uh, good, all of the goods of this world. But in context, he's simply talking about denying oneself. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Will he actually sell his soul for just self and self-pleasure? It's not necessarily vast sums of money, just selfishness. Selfishness or the self-life could be considered the last frontier of the Christian life. And by the term frontier, or the last frontier, is sometimes used to describe that which has not yet been conquered by man, or not fully explored. There are no, or few, places on earth anymore that are considered a frontier, as it was in the old days, Nowadays, men have covered the globe. There are, yes, certain small sections that have not yet been fully explored, perhaps, but we might think of the depths of the ocean as not fully understood. They're still finding out things. Space has not been yet fully explored, not even close. But in the Christian life, 
This matter of dying to self, it must begin at the beginning of our walk. As Jesus said, if any man will come after me, if you want to start following, if you want to enter the kingdom, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. It also must endure to the end. Of the martyrs in Revelation, it was said, they loved not their lives unto the death. So from beginning to end in our Christian walk is a matter of dying to self. It must be central in all of our life. Self must be humbled, it must be forsaken, and it must even be denied if we want to follow with Christ. I'm not in any way trying to imply this morning that you have not already died to self. I trust that all of you have. But I wonder if we could maybe do more in greater measure as we look at our life and consider where we might die to self in a practical way. It's interesting that we have this ability to see where everyone else could sacrifice or die to self more. That seems quite evident. But true to the self-nature, it's a little more difficult for ourselves. But if we think it through logically, how could it be that everyone else could sacrifice or be less selfish? And we be the only exception? No, probably not. But of course the difficulty is at the very point where it becomes a specific thing that we could sacrifice or die to self, that's where the difficulty lies. What seems easy for others is not so easy for ourselves. Another thing that makes it difficult is that Self has this, um, this way of after great sacrifice and surrendering of self and laying it aside. At an opportune moment afterward, we begin to boast about how greatly selfless we were. And we like to remind others so that they might recognize how selfless we have been. You see how subtle that becomes? It just. There's always another frontier, as it were, of dying to self. We don't find the word selfish as such, I don't believe, in the scriptures, but the concept is certainly there. It talks about being self willed, a. Uh, one who desires the office of a bishop must not be self-willed. What does it mean to be selfish or to be self-willed? The definition is simply regarding one's own interest chiefly or solely. 
influenced in actions by a view to private advantage. That's the definition of selfish. Thus, to deny oneself would be to place our interest in private advantage in a secondary or subordinate position and give first priority to Christ's interests and let that influence our actions. That's what it would mean to die to ourselves. We are warned that in the last days perilous times would come in which men would be lovers of their own selves. I'd like for you to turn with me to that passage in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And then follows a list of very grievous and terrible things. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and so on. But notice that the head of the list is this matter of lovers of their own selves. And at the end, or toward the end, verse 4, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And if this list seems to be only speaking of those grossly evil people, consider what he says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Now why is it that this becomes so perilous? I wonder if part of the reason is it is so commonplace that it becomes normal. It seems normal. In fact, it becomes that which Satan dangles in front of us as, as okay, normal. Being lovers of our own selves is, not, um, is, is actually twofold. It's how we interact with others. We can be very selfish in our own interests and not consider the interests of others. But it can also be focused on self, not necessarily in relation to others, but simply seeking one's own pleasures and indulgence rather than following truly after godliness. In other words, yielding our own pleasures of life to seek Christ's interests. So, don't think of selfishness as only as how it relates to others, but also how it relates to you personally before God. And that's what it means to lose one's life, is to purge out 
that selfish bent that we have. It even can have a form of godliness. I know you can think of people who have, and we use the term, they are very selfless. We see them as sacrificing, we see them as helpful, as, um, as um, generous. And we can think of certain individuals that are outstanding. Well, the truth is, shouldn't we all be that way? All Christians should have that testimony. Not that we seek glory to be uh, boasted of, but simply to be selfless. And seeking Christ's ways and giving priority to his interests and letting his directions influence our actions. We have the example of Christ as it's given here in Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 3. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, for even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. So we see that Christ didn't come to please himself, but to please his neighbor for his good to edification. <clears throat> I'd like to consider several aspects here of this matter of dying to self. The first one to consider is the connection between obedience and dying to self. Now this may seem self-evident, but obedience is in direct contrast to living for oneself. Obedience means to set aside my own interests or advantage and do what I am instructed by someone else. To allow someone greater to govern and influence my actions. I submit. I receive instruction. I become obedient like little children. Obedience and self stand opposed to each other. One of them must yield and give the right of way to the other. Which will it be? Obedience or selfishness? Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And you know, he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That obedience was a direct result or an outflow of his determination not to seek his own will, but the will of him that sent him. Again in John 5.30, I can of mine own self do nothing. 
As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Obedience and laying down one's will are inseparably connected. The opposite of that is being self-willed. Self-willed wants to rule self. Unwilling to be submitted. Unwilling to be ruled over by others. Jesus gave that parable of the husbandmen that were put in charge of the vineyard. And and the... uh, the owner of the vineyard, which was God, sent his servants to the vineyard to receive the fruits. And they mistreated those servants that were sent. And they said, further, we will not have this man to reign over us. That was their, the sentiment of their heart. We will not have this man to reign over us. That is the epitome of the self-willed heart. I will not have this way. I will do it my way. Note how Peter in his second epistle, chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. You notice the connection there between self-willed and despising government. They walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness. The self-will in the heart that wants to follow its own ways and that desires its own pleasures, the scripture calls it lust, that is contrary to yielding our heart to the obedience of Christ. And this connection between despising government and self-will we see all around us but may it not be found in our heart, but rather as we understand the definition of selfish regarding one's own interests chiefly or solely, influenced in actions by a view to private advantage. And the contrary is that we yield. We yield ourselves. The other thing I'd like to say about this matter of dying to self is that it needs to be considered in context. And by that I mean that denying self is is not to be focused on as an end of itself. And though we're making that the emphasis of the message here, 
we need to understand that there is a greater end that we are striving for. We could use the analogy, analogy of our body needing regular cleansing with water to remove the pollutions that come, both from without and from within. The body naturally rids itself of toxins that need to be removed by regular bathing. When bathing is neglected, by and by we become odious and offensive to others. So likewise, selfishness needs to be removed from our life on a regular basis or we become noxious and offensive to those around us. But our natural life does not consist of only bathing. We bathe and then we are in suitable condition to go about the real affairs of life. And so likewise, denying self is not the end in itself, but puts us in a suitable condition to live for him who has called us to glory and virtue. Another aspect of this not being an end of itself is that <clears throat> though we regularly need to take account of this matter of selfishness, it is not that which motivates or controls our life. We are motivated by love and a desire to serve God. And these conditions of dying to self are accepted as part of the journey. Let's look at uh, John chapter 15 several verses there and in subsequent chapters. And before I read them, let me explain further where I'm going with this. We looked at that passage in 2 Timothy 3 where it talked about perilous times coming because men are lovers of their own selves. And one of the dangers is that Satan puts all these things that are enticing in front of us to follow our own ways and our own selfish interests and along with that likes to have us believe that Denying oneself is burdensome and grievous because there is some pain involved in that. But really, it is not a grievous thing to be obedient. It is not a grievous thing to deny ourselves because there is some greater cause and greater good for which we are striving. And so, Jesus didn't become our Lord to make life grievous. He came that we might have joy. He came that we might have life 
That's his vision and his view. And part of that, or shall we say the process, or is that we must die to ourselves in order to have that life. But note here in John 15, verse 10 and 11, it says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now Satan would like to have us believe the opposite. He would seek to have us believe that if you keep his commandments, you will have a grievous life. It will be so burdensome. The road will be so difficult that it's not worth the journey. But we know that's not true. Jesus gave us these commandments that we might abide in his love and that we might have joy. Next chapter 16 over verse 23. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy might be full. In the next chapter, 17, verse 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. <clears throat> so again, just restating that denying self needs to be considered in context, not focused on as an end in itself. I think we need to regularly consider it even like the analogy we used of bathing. We need to focus on it from time to time, but it's not the focus of our life. We are, we are about our Father's business. It simply puts us in a condition where that can be worked out in our lives. God can use us if we die to self. The next aspect I'd like to consider is that, and this is on the positive side, putting on charity is the remedy for a selfish heart. Charity and selfishness do not abide with each other in peace. There is enmity between the two. Putting on charity is the remedy for a selfish heart. Did not Jesus have so great a love for us that he endured the cross willingly? It wasn't forced upon him. He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. It was because he loved us. And so for ourselves, following his example, loving the brethren, putting on charity, is the antidote for a selfish heart. 
in 1 Corinthians 13, in several verses, verse 4 and 5, Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. And so putting on charity, which the scripture tells us is the bond of perfectness, is a clear antidote for a selfish heart. And it actually puts the positive side to this whole thing of, of dying to self. We love God because he first loved us. And the connection with obedience and loving God is plainly stated in the scriptures. And that obedience comes out of a surrendered heart, one that willingly yields itself. And so when we have true charity for others and a love toward God, then dying to self is not a burdensome thing. It's, it's something we savor as being one of the things of God, like in our, in our text there, where Peter did not yet see how that was God's way. And to him it seemed so backwards. Well, that's the paradox. That's the, um, the difference between God's ways and our ways. <clears throat> but charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It seeketh not her own. We also do not seek our own when we put on charity, but rather seek to please him who has called us. I used uh, this verse before, Romans 15. 1 and 3, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. And I will conclude with that as our exhortation to be like Christ who gave himself for us and left us this instruction that we should die to ourselves, that we might live. May God bless.